Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Listen to the Inside Curling podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. One, two, three levels. That, am I still loud, Kev? Are you okay? No, you're much, much better. Thank you, Mike. That wouldn't be the first time that someone said, Turn down Jerome's volume. <laughs> <laughs> Warren said that lots over the years. <laughs> well, there you go, folks. We're taking the inside, okay? You heard it here first. Turn down Jerome's volume. Not a chance. You can try and turn me down, Kev, but I just talked louder. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Inside Curling. Glad you're joining us, as you do each and every week. And we do, from time to time, have these special shows because Kevin is in uh, Regina at the Coyote Tractor Champions Cup. So we want to come on here and try and bring you up to speed about playoffs and tiebreakers and everything going into the weekend. Uh, thanks a lot to all our sponsors. We appreciate them. we got five of them. Sports Interaction, Coyote Tractor, Goldline, Hearing Life, and Nestle Boost. Here's what's on the show. We picked six men's and women's teams. We'll see how we did. We picked teams who are going to make the playoffs. So we'll find out about that. A couple of weeks ago, the Champions Cup. Kevin, you did an interview with Kevin Cooey. And your son, Karik, and uh, we're going to listen to that. Cooey with the big shot, eh? Did you interview him after that or before? <laughs> Be- before, but what? And it was the big shot twice yeah, in the semi right. and the final. Fantastic. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was crazy. How are you doing, Warren? I'm hanging in here, Jim. I'm just uh, anxious to get this show going. <laughs> okay. You're, of course, in Port Coquitlam. Kevin's in Regina. And I'm in Ottawa. It is now, as we record this, 1.15 a.m. Kevin, I said, this is the way we should do the shows, baby. This is when I light up like a tree. Uh, I got to say hello to you, Kevin, from all the guys. I'm here. I just finished doing a gig in Metcalf, Ontario, which is just outside Ottawa. 650 guys <laughs> and all men's. Uh, you can imagine how this thing went about four hours in. Okay, I was there at 5.30 <laughs> God, everyone was friendly and all that. And then about 9.30, the, the place broke loose. Uh, but they're massive curling fans. A uh, big gang of them in Metcalf. And they're huge fans of yours, Kev. So thanks a lot to all those guys in Metcalf. We'll give them a little shout out for listening to the show. So let's do it, uh, Kevin. Uh, give us a wrap on the week. Going into the weekend, of course, is the playoffs. And it looks like we got tiebreakers on both sides. Break it down, man. Yeah, there's lots of action going on. Let's start on the ladies' side. So, yes, you're right, Jimmy. There are two tiebreaker draws on, on both sides, women and the men. So six teams make the playoffs. Two teams go straight to the semis, and then there are two quarterfinal games. Two, the winners go into the semis against the people who get the bye. Mm-hmm. So uh, Tabitha Peterson out of the U.S. and Carrie Anderson, no surprise, getting the bye. Just a little tidbit, this will make... Uh, Team Anderson 
getting to the semis or better, eight Grand Slams in a row. Yikes. She actually has been to the final six of the last seven, but she's in the semi now, of course. She has to win one more game to get to. That would make her in the final seven out of eight Grand Slams in a row. Unreal. Unreal. Anyway, so those are the two teams in the semi. Now, two teams that are guaranteed in the quarters are Fujisawa and Rachel Holman. Mm-hmm. Rachel Holman played uh, Terenzoni tonight and had a really wild game, beat Terenzoni to get in the playoffs, and now because of her good draw to the button, she jumps right into the quarters, does not have to play the tie breaks. So that's great for her. Now, the tie break games, Clancy Grandy playing against Jennifer Jones, Unji Gim out of Korea against Hasselborg out of Sweden. Uh, those are the two t- tie breaks. Now, unlike the Worlds, we talked about the World Championships a lot lately because there are so many of them. Mm-hmm. In the Grand Slams, they do reseed. So we can't say the winner of a certain tie break plays a certain person in the semi or in the quarters <laughs> and then into the, because they reseed depending if the fir- number one wins or number four wins. Right. So that's why you can't. So that's on the women's side. Is that clear, Jim? Or oh, yeah, I, say I, don't know. I can see Warren scratching his head going, what? Wait a minute. That's not the way they said it would be. <laughs> so Peterson, Anderson. Peterson, Anderson in the semis. Fuji and Holman in the quarters. Tie break, Grandy, Jones, Gim, Hasselborg. Right. Okay. Looking at that at the women's, think of those names. Peterson, Anderson, uh, Fujisawa, Holman, Jones. Hasselborg, Gim, I mean, the cream rose to the top, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it's really tough. Right. It is really tough. Who didn't make it that you thought would have, Kev? Oh, let's have a look here. Uh, did he do? Terenzoni, you've got to look at as being a favorite, right? Always, the right. world champ. I think I picked Terenzoni, I think. Mm-hmm. Hang on. Um, Briar uh, Schwaller-Hurleman, she's no longer on the team, so she did not come here. And they haven't named a permanent replacement yet, but that's a major change. You know, Breyer being off the team. They did pick up Rachel Erickson, a local from here that played with Chelsea Carey this year, to throw lead here. Mm -hmm. So that's a bit of a change, kind of an abrupt change to the team. So that just happened in the last few days. So that's pretty major to a world championship team. So you can understand that that might upset the apple cart a little bit. Sure. Uh, Okay, what do you got in the men's? Okay, let's go to the men's. Okay. Uh, two undefeated teams in round robins. This is pretty simple to know that Botcher and Dunstone are in the semis on opposite sides. Okay. The two teams that are in the quarters, Brad Guju, Nicodine. Yep. So you got Botcher, Dunstone, Guju, Adine. Ha. Huh. Okay. That's Jesus. not bad. <laughs> and now the tie breaks, you've got US, US, John Schuster, Corey Dropkin. Now, Corey Dropkin is not here. Andrew Stapera is skipping okay. the team. You know, we, we saw Corey Dropkin. He was tired. He was beat up after the mixed doubles worlds. Yeah, just coming off a world championship and he just couldn't do it. So Schuster Dropkin in the one tie break and Reed Crothers and Ross White out of Scotland in the other tie break. So did you notice who's missing? Botcher, Dunstone, Guju, Adin. Did I ever? Schuster, Dropkin, Crothers, White. Who's missing? Where's Mowat? Right. That's the where, point. Where is Mowat? And he finished... At two and three. So he went, he was below 500 and missed out on the tie breaks uh, by his draw to the button. Wasn't good enough. And Joel Retornaz, who we always pick to make the playoffs now, he was the same as Bruce, did not make the tie breaks because of draw to the button. Uh, Ross White, when he went into the game tonight, he had to hit, I believe it was 19.3 centimeters on his draw to the button. 
and he hit 19.1 centimeters. So he got in. Retornaz is out. He got in by two tenths of a centimeter. Yeah, two. I think it's called millimeters. Actually, Milli- but- two millimeters. <laughs> millimeters. Yeah. yeah, not by not by much, Jim. Yeah, whatever it, it is. <laughs> I don't know if I asked you guys this before, but I I, I know Warren. You've said, Jim, you got to remember TV and viewership and networks and time and all that stuff. Are we okay with this draw to the button thing to to make such a big decision, Warren? Yes. I'll tell you what. How exciting is that, Jimmy? Now, this is what I was told in the coffee room before I went on air. Very, very close. I believe it was 19.3, and he got 19.1. That's exciting. That is exciting. Yeah, totally. We kind of know what 20 centimeters is. You know, you're close to the button. And then it stops and goes, ooh, this is going to be really close. And then they measure it, and and he's underneath. But so. what you got to remember too, Jim, you know, the game could be played and you go an extra end and they have to draw the button to win in the end right. regardless. True so yep. it's, it's a matter of, it doesn't probably matter when you have to execute this shot that's going to make the difference. It's just uh, a change from what we're accustomed to. It's happening at the start rather than the end. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it's, as Kevin says, it's really exciting. And I think as time goes on, we have to play it up more because, uh, at least the Grand Slam is putting that uh, that shot on air as part of their of their telecast. Um, the other events haven't done that yet; they're not part of their telecast. So, I think it's uh, exciting and it's uh, it's good. Okay, Warren, over to you. Uh, Taryn Zoni missing from the women's and Mowat not in the men's. What what do you take away, Warren, from watching it on Sportsnet this week? Well, those two are interesting. That's our world champions, and uh, for neither one of them to make it. But I think in both cases, we have to take a look at what's going on. So Mawad, again, played the entire event with only three players. So did Rotanas. So that's got to impact things to a very large degree. And, of course, as Kevin mentioned, Terranzoni with a different lead. So the teams are not like they were when they won the world championship. So that would impact them. Plus, they've got to be feeling the stress of the of the year to this point. Other than those two, we're seeing, again, most of the same teams we expect to did come through. I'll, I'll ask Kevin a question, but from what I've seen, the conditions on the ice with rocks and ice look to be excellent. Is, is that a good assumption? That's really good? Yeah, yeah, the ice has been really good. No problem at all. Lots of curl. and, and But I should, I should clear the water here because I, I mentioned Terranzoni. They made a team change. Bruce Mowat did not. Bobby Lammy hurt his leg. Um, uh, quadding actually in the last few in the last week, so he hurt his leg. He's here. He's on the bench. Is all. And then uh, Mattia Giovanella from Italy is in the hotel room. He's just he just got sick. He's just under the weather here in Regina. He just can't play. He's got a you know flu or something like that. So so he's fine. It's just you know that he's just not not well enough to play. So those two teams, it's just unfortunate that they've had to play three handed, and that makes it hard. Kevin, if you were skipping. Uh, would you really allow one of your players coming into a big event to go quadding before an event? Let me think here. John Morris was my third. (laughs) (laughs) Going in, I got a story to tell. So going into our first briar, Hamilton, our first briar together. And just before the briar, so the night before we're supposed to fly out or two nights before, (laughs) you remember this? Yeah. uh, I get a call from Benny. He goes, Uh. Kevin, we got problems. Johnny's been hit by a car. And I go, what? And I'm thinking, well, yeah. And I'm thinking, Ben Hebert, you know, he's a character. Okay, Ben, what, what, what's going on? No, 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 no. He's been taken to the hospital. He got hit by a car. And of course, eyes like that. And anyway, it's true. John was 
walking his dog across a crosswalk, and a car didn't see him. And just at the last second, Johnny, so he didn't get hit in the legs, he jumps up so that it wouldn't hit him in the knees, and he went and just buckled in the the, uh, the windshield and then went flying Jesus. off the front of the car. So he ends up okay other than he had a really bad, well, he got bruised up a lot, sure. but nothing broken, uh, but a really bad concussion. So anyway, so he comes to the briar and he, he played, but after a few ends, he always got like just a bone crushing headache and had a lot of trouble being able to complete a game. So we didn't we didn't win that briar. Anyway, so we're going into now we're going into 08 uh, in Winnipeg. Right. And so right before the briar, I think the weekend prior, and we're leaving maybe on the Thursday. So a couple few days before we're leaving for for Winnipeg, he goes to a pub. <laughs> With some friends of his, some fireman friends. Right. And this one fireman ends up getting in a fight or some sort of uh, confrontation with a person. Sure. And so Johnny has to help help him out. Well, John gets in a fight, breaks his hand. Oh, no. So, and his throwing hand. I didn't know this. So, so, so now here we go. And it, but it, he played with a, if you, everybody can remember, it was kind of a plastic thing on his hand that kind of held it all together. And we played, we went undefeated in that briar. We win no that way. one. Yeah. So then the next year, going into Calgary, I, uh, I say that um, uh, Terry Meek was our fifth in, uh, in 2009 in Calgary, I believe. And I said, your job is a one week till the, ga- <laughs> the first game. You got to be with John the entire time and make sure he doesn't get hurt, yeah. break a hand, you know, get hit by a car, whatever the case may be. That's funny. Did you keep Johnny at third when he hurt his hand? Yeah, he played great. Oh, unreal! <laughs> he's a, so, he's an amazing amazing athlete. But but to, to your point, uh, would you allow any of your players? Are you kidding? Like <laughs> Johnny, go Johnny. bust your hand. We went undefeated. <laughs> uh, uh, fun stuff. So back to you, Warren. The ice conditions were good. The rocks are good. Kevin said, "Mowat just too tired." Yeah, my observation: the women's side is pretty up and down as far as who's going to come through there. The only really consistent one I've seen is Peterson. Uh, she's doing quite well. Mm-hmm. Anderson started out really good, then she uh, kind of coughed towards the end of the round robin. I think in the men's side, uh, without question, they're 5-0, and but Dunstan and Botcher, from what I've seen of both of them, they're the class of the men's field at this point. So some good curling. I think the other good thing is a good number of people in the building. So the atmosphere is really great. And Kevin can probably make some comments on that as well. Okay, Warren, we made some picks. Are you excited how I did? Or, you know, you're speechless. Well, this was a team effort, Jim. So yeah. I can't remember which one of us picked which team. So let's look at the men's side first, because we did pretty well there on the men's side. We picked Butcher, Gushu, Mowat, Dropkin, and Dunstan. However, Ratanas was the one that we picked that didn't make it. And Mowat, yes. We picked uh, four that made it, two that didn't. So we didn't do bad on the men's side. On the women's side, we picked Holman, Anerson, which that was good. Uh, we picked Fushizawa and Gim, and that was good. But we picked Terenzoni and Laws, which that wasn't so good. So in both cases, we were four for six. So respectable. So now we're going to pick Warren going into the playoffs. We are. Yeah, so... We're going to pick two teams, and yep. we're going to pick a winner. Okay. So, do you want to go first, Jim? Certainly I do. Okay, I will pick... I'm going to pick Anderson, and I'm going to pick Jones. I will go next. 
I am going to pick my number one pick is going to be Peterson. I think they've been solid all week. Uh, They're ready to probably break through. So I'm going to pick them as a finalist. The other side is going to be a difficult one. I I would have gone with Einerson based on uh, how she played at the start of the week, but the last two games, I'm just not sure. The rest, Jennifer Jones was there pretty top of the pack most of the week. Again, a little bit of a spurt at the end, but... uh, I'm going to go with Jennifer Jones as the other team in the in the final, and I'm going to go with uh, Peterson as the winner. I like uh, Anderson and Gim and Anderson to win. Wait a minute! You didn't give me a chance to win. I went jo- I went Jones and Anderson, and I'm picking Jones to win. I thought you picked Anderson to win. I'm no, like, okay. I want Jones. Changing my mind, <laughs> Jim. You will drive me crazy. Okay. <laughs> All right. To the men's side. Okay. You're up, Jim. Uh, this will be uh, keeping my string alive of not picking Gushu. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> guy's a friend of mine, too, kind of. He was. He was. Uh, um, I want, okay, I'm going to leave out the big gunners in the quarters, okay? I'm going to leave out Adini Gushu. I'm going, uh, I'll go the top two guys in the semis. I'll pick the Dunstan and Botcher. Okay, who's going to win it? Botcher's going to win. All right. Well, you make life difficult, Jim, because that's exactly what I was going to select. I'm going to stick with Botcher as a winner. I, I can't see uh, if they keep playing like they have. They've been pretty, pretty solid. I will pick somebody else as far as the other team is concerned. And uh, Gushu has been playing pretty well. I'm going to say Gushu. Very good. Okay, Kev. Well, I like Dunstone to win. BJ is curling out of this world. Um, so I have to go Dunstone to win the thing. Now, who's he going to beat in the final? Oh, boy. You know, I've got to pick Botcher. Botcher's curling really good. But Dunstone will beat Botcher in the final. Dunstone's curling great, but BJ's curling better. So you and I both picked Dunstone and Botcher, but I have Botcher to win. You have Dunstone to win. And I would have made the same pick. So I think from what I've seen, uh, those are the two best teams on the ice so far. All right. So far. So go team, go. Uh, and I'm picking Dunstone, not because of Dunstone. I'm picking him because of BJ at third. He's just been phenomenal. Phenomenal. I didn't mention this at the top of the show, uh, so here's a surprise. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Kevin, you did an interview with Kevin Cooey and your son, Karik, uh, a while ago. And, uh, well, take a listen. Let's play for you now. Good morning, and thanks a lot. Good to be here back at the Players' Championship. New team, I guess, Kev. Tell me about the change. You know, we have another young guy coming on the team, Jock Goche from Manitoba, played for BC this year. So at the Briar, it was a skip. So um, really excited. Uh, Brad taking a step back, taking some time off, and uh, we're lucky to have him join the team. And um, it'll be really fun to get him aboard for next year. Another young guy. So you got Karik, of course, is a vet. And then you got Jacques and, and Tyler. Who's, I guess, first, who's going to throw third? Who's going to throw second? Tyler will be playing third. You know, Tyler had a great year, especially a great second half of the year. I think he's, uh, you know, his, was a big step for him this year, but uh, 
he's played great. Obviously, he was an all-star at the at the Briar, so hopefully he'll, and I'm sure he will just keep getting better. And, and Jock, obviously being a skip these days with the five rock rule, he basically need just about three skips out there the the shots are so hard so i think it'll be a good mix they're cousins and know each other well and um i think they'll work well together i was i had a really good talk with jennifer jones actually because she brought on young players or, or joined young players She's loving it uh you're sort of almost in the same boat uh, obviously with other than Karik, but tyler i agree with you has uh, made incredible strides because I was like shaking my head at the start of last year. Because a young, young player, missing interesting ways. Now you have another young person. So your thoughts on, on having a very, very young middle and the work you need to do to be able to bring it so you have a chance in three years' time to get the Olympic Games? Yeah, I mean, it'll be a process for sure. You know, a lot we'll have to put in a lot of time, but I, I think it'll be really exciting. It's good to have some freshness like this week. Tyler's never played in a player's championship, and, you know, this is this is maybe the best event of the year, and it's just exciting to have them experience those those experiences and to be part of it. I mean, the talent speaks for itself. Now we just got to find a way to make it work. Karak, I guess your job, you have a big job too, because Kevin just said that uh, Jacques a skip. But he's going to be a second. So, sweeping, are you guys on opposite sides? There's got to be some concerns or, or things to learn, I guess. Well, I know what side I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, he, uh, it's going to be a, a bit of a learning curve. I know he's played a lot of third as well. Um, and I think we're going to have to do a bit of work kind of late in the summer to c- catch up as much as we can and hopefully uh, – Get him, get him close by the time fall hits. And I think like Tyler was this year, we're going to see him just continually improve throughout the year. Well, he's awfully good, obviously. Kevin, any concern with you've got a wide variety of deliveries on this team. You've got Goche as a tuck. Tyler is sort of a artistic half tuck, I suppose would be a good way to put it. Kark, a flat foot. And then you've always had kind of a unique delivery too. From a practical aspect, how, how does your mind see that working, that many different throws? You know, I've obviously been around for a long time. I've played with BJ. He was a tucker for a while and, um, you know, and with Ben and John and Colton, like you say, I mean, it's rare you get totally similar deliveries, but, um, we're going to have to put a lot of time time and effort into it to spend on, you know, rock tracking deliveries to get the rocks doing the same thing. I think you see the top teams these days, um, you know, Team Moet for sure, they, they throw the rock the same way, all of them. And it, it just makes it uh, way easier for everyone out on the ice. So uh, it'll take some time. Obviously, we've never, we've played against Jock, seen him play, but uh, until we get some time together as a team... We're going to have to wait and see, I guess. This year, your schedule was pretty, I would say, slow. It was uh, you know, pretty light. Now, going forward, though, to get points and get into the various events and, and so on and so on, are you going to play a fairly uh, big schedule or maybe more international stuff? What's your plan as far as travel goes? And- yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, we're going to... Will take a bit of a hit on the points, I, I assume. I, I mean, I, they seem to change every year. Who knows what's, what's going on next year? But, um, 
you know, losing Brad, we'll lose some points. So we might have to pick up some early events, which would probably be a good thing for our team, regardless to, you know, really ramp up the learning curve, hopefully. So uh, it'll be aggressive. Like you said, this year it didn't seem too strenuous, that's for sure. So uh, we could probably um, afford to add a couple events for sure. Your sponsors, you, you have a fairly good sponsorship group. Um, is there any problem with that, with changing teams? Is, or is that a concern, really? I, I don't know how that works with your four-man team, because a lot of times is it a team agreement with the four of you, and then when one person is gone, does that affect your any of your sponsorship agreements? No, I mean, we're like you say, we're fortunate. We've got some great sponsors, and um, changes happen. And in, in this case, it's, you know, for Brad, it's just... Uh, life decisions and taking some time to step back and um, I think as long as the team is successful and you know represents the sponsorship well out there uh, the company as well I, I mean I think they'll be happy and I think they'll be happy with our our new team I think uh, bringing Jock on will maybe add a new dynamic maybe a little more personality out there which probably our team was maybe a little <laughs> lacking <laughs> no Kark, I want to get into the weeds here a little bit. Um, last week in Ottawa, um, there were there was, I wouldn't say panic. That's not that's not right. But concern about the ability to maybe manipulate the stones too much on that ice surface. Um, there's going to be a big curling uh, sweeping study uh, done through the World Curling Federation this year. I'd love to get your thoughts on first what was going on in say the worlds in Ottawa versus what was at the Briar this year and then your thoughts going into this sweeping study yeah yeah i think um in ottawa we've seen it on other surfaces as well there it looked to be a little softer and the guys could really manipulate the rock the briar it was a bit colder a bit straighter and you can't affect the rock as much um i wasn't panicked about it it's something we definitely seen before but it was good I guess to see it at that level, it kind of at least brings awareness. But we're talking about a handful of the best sweepers in the world being able to. So do, not everybody do can. It. No, no, not everyone. Um, but and you could see the effect out there with what EJ or Lammy were doing. I think at the end of the day, the brooms are close to where they probably want to be, and. I think just making sure that ice doesn't get too soft is probably good enough to combat the brooms. So this study that's going to happen, you're thinking maybe it's more, not so much about the brooms or the fabrics at all, like more about the surface and maybe humidity, temperature, making sure that the the environment around curling is kept consistent, not so much worrying about how strong E.J. Harnan is or, or Bobby Lammy, and then forcing them to wear a wool sock over their broom. Yeah, I, I'd be a little bit uh, careful with how the, uh, if you tame back the brooms too much, they're just not going to be effective for, for most people. So the guys are going to keep getting stronger, and I think the ice techs have their work cut out for them to create that environment where it's it's just keeping those brooms to a certain level of effectiveness, but it's close. And most events, we don't see it to that level. And as long as through the sweeping study, they bring up these different environments and have the best sweepers there, I, I think they're going to find that the results differ 
quite a bit depending on the ice surface. So could they actually slow the stone down in Ottawa? Is that yeah. actually a thing? Yeah, yeah, you could definitely. We tested it and on the carving it, you can slow it down a bit in certain surfaces and you could definitely see it there. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> okay, I, I wanted to check that out because I'd, I'd heard lots on the, on the TV talking about the, the carving, which you can see. You can see the, the best sweepers take a few strokes and you, you can just visually just see it warping towards the guard. But to, to actually be able to, you know, sweep one way and have it maintain its momentum, but then sweep another way and actually, like, you're, you're, you're at a joystick. You're breaking down the pebble so much that eventually there's not going to be as much pebble there. It's, it flattens it, slows it down. Like, that's... Will that affect the next shot? Yeah. So the, then somebody else has to throw over that same spot, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. From a skip's point of view, okay, so now you've got a team you're playing against grinding it, grinding that pebble so it affects in, in whatever the way that team wanted it to do. But now it's your turn, and you've got to throw a rock over the exact same spot. Like, Do you have any idea what it's going to do? Yeah, I think that's something that's a bit of an art, and I think teams are still figuring that out. And, and it definitely seems to be based on the building, the, the surface that um, can really make big differences. And uh, I think we're still figuring that out. I think no one, I don't think, has it totally mastered yet. But uh, for sure, that would um, be a consideration. And just you could have a perfectly well-thrown rock that uh, – does something funny or you're not expecting, and it, it could be just from the previous sweepers for sure. So the, so I guess what we've come down to is the conditions have to be very consistent. Yeah, I mean, and it, it varies. You know, usually when you, sometimes you come out east, you get warmer weather and more humidity versus, you know, when you're in Alberta or Saskatchewan, Manitoba, very dry, it's usually not an issue out there, right? So... Um, it's, it's different every week, it seems, for sure. Okay, so Nicodine, last week in Ottawa, we did a piece that's going to come out, actually, at the Champions Cup. It was really fun, playing pool and stuff. And I, I told Nick that um, we had built our basement for a 6 by 12 table. But you said, uh, well, Dad, that's stupid. Nobody wants to play snooker 6 by 12 table anymore. But that's how we built the, built the house around it. So you made me get in, uh, I think it's, what, a 5 by 10? Yeah, the middle size, yeah. <laughs> Not professionals by any means, but... Yeah, I do know Dad was out with practicing down in the basement, getting ready for Nick, so it had been a while since we dusted the table off, but he was getting ready for him. It went good, it went good. Actually, got I got I got to Nick by, on that game, but I can promise that... Uh, if we played 11 games, Nick would win eight of them. We're not, we're not equal. We were just talking, actually, just before we, we came on and uh, talking about the hot tub and Carrick, uh, you mentioned that probably at least half the field is partied in the hot tub. Yeah, it's been a few years, but you look across the sheets and probably, yeah, half the field's been in there. So it's, it's been a good time and now it's more me and my son in there. But uh, yeah, we definitely enjoy a lot of good times at the house. Okay, so uh, there it is. 
Uh, they might be the two coolest cucumbers that I know. Kevin Cooey and Karik Martin. Like your son's a bit of a low reactor, Kev, eh? Your son, he doesn't get too excited. <laughs> he's a, he's low key. You know, he's like uh, my mom. Okay. So not like my dad, okay. the opposite of my dad. But mom, really relaxed, yeah. you know, <laughs> and thinks about things. Man, not like me either. I'm, you know, I'm always everywhere. Yeah. No, Kark, Kark likes to think about things before he he reacts. He, he's sort of like Kevin Cooey. I think that's why they get along so darn good. Right. They get along great, those two. Right. Like Cooey is way laid back, right? You wouldn't. Yeah. You know, yeah more than Kark. Right, right. Right. More than Kark. More than anybody, actually. Uh, anyway, good job. Uh, what, do, what do you take away, Warren, from the interview? I think the most interesting comments in that interview were Kirk's comments with regard to the brushing and uh, the carving and the suggestion from the worlds in Ottawa that you could actually brush to slow down a rock. And his statements with regard to that whole thing was the difference between the hard surface and the ice surface. And he suggested that the ice surface in Ottawa by everybody he'd talked to was much softer than the one was in London at the Briar. And as a result, there was a greater opportunity to uh, manipulate with, uh, with the brushes in, uh, in Ottawa than there was at the Briar in London because of softer surface. And he even suggested it had been discussed at some point in time that you could actually slow the rock down by brushing uh, really hard in front in Ottawa. And he agreed that that was possible and basically said they virtually break down the pebble. And then the other comments that came back was the fact of once that happens, if you throw a rock over that spot where they've broken down the pebble, what's going to happen with the rock you throw over it? So again, he thought it was impacted. So I I found those comments quite quite fascinating because the the whole issue of how hard the surface is, uh, this goes back to the part part where we were originally having uh, the straight, straight, straight rock ice situation because of the very hard surface at that point in time. And mm-hmm. the harder the surface is, the more difficult it is for the rock to bite in, which is when the sandpaper became uh, reality was they found out by sandpapering the rocks right. on that harder surface, you could make the rock curl. So if we get a softer surface along with the sandpaper, maybe that's why there was also that huge movement in Ottawa, though it's probably much greater than it was uh, in London. Mm-hmm. But I thought... Uh, Real interesting comments that he had about uh, what they're able to do with those brooms and how this is going to be approached going forward. Right. So, Kevin, what do you think from that? Well, you know what? I learned a lot from uh, from Kark. I had no idea. And, and I was sitting with uh, a group of uh, World Curling Federation people, actually, in, in Ottawa, and they were quite concerned about what they were seeing on the ice. And, and so I was sitting at the table and uh, I said, well, let's, let's get a hold of Karik. So I phoned Karik, put him on speakerphone. Oh. Hey, Karik, I'm sitting with the WCF here. Can you explain that you can actually, with carving a stone, slow it down on certain surfaces rather than other surfaces? Or is that, is this like fiction? Like what, what's going on? He said, absolutely. Yeah. There are cer- certain surfaces that you you can do that. He said it, it looks like you can in Ottawa, but Kark did not curl in Ottawa. He wasn't in the world, right. but he was at the Briar. He said, no way at the Briar. We couldn't. The, the surface was too hard. You wouldn't be able to. And it all depends on the surface. And that was, I did not know that. That was really news to me. And it was just great to hear from some of these sweepers that, that do all the studies and all of these things. And so there's going to be a World Curling Federation study on sweeping this summer again. To uh, just try to you know get to the bottom of all this stuff. It's a the game keeps changing, which is wonderful. Our game keeps evolving and changing, and it's very it's we're we're really in a cool time right now in our sport. It's a, it's it's growing so much around the world, uh, both uh, with participation 
and ratings and viewership and fans. Our fan base is expanding like crazy. So it's just an exciting time for us right now in our in our sport. If you were going to throw a rock, Kevin, on the same path that your opponent just threw, okay? Like you, you're pretty well sure, okay, this is what he's doing. We're going to have to throw the same the same path. If your opponent was sweeping super hard on that path, would that change the way you're going to throw the rock? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Because you've taken a lot of the bite out. Oh, yeah. So you're probably, yeah, you're probably going to want to soft it a bit. Even in one sweep, one sweep of one. Yes. Um, well, who's sweeping? If it's, right. if it's, if it's, you know, if it's Mujan or, or uh, Brad Thiessen or, or Brett Gallant or Carrick mm-hmm. or you know, one of these big guys that can really, really carve or really smooth down the surface. Right. It will change, it will change your shot. Speed yes. and, and how much curl? Yeah, I mean, I curled with a guy that never threw a heavy rock in his in his life, and uh, <laughs> so he'd throw a, an intern draw down, and we'd sweep it from hack to hack, and we'd make it by an inch, and uh, he'd be sitting in the hack to throw his next shot down the same path, and his comment, uh, well, we just uh, swept right down that path. I'll throw this one three or four feet later, and I'm going like, don't you dare. <laughs> but he would. But he time. would, yep. <laughs> The great Hex Gervais, I'm sure you're talking about. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. okay, very good, boys. Uh, the late-night version, the late, late, late-night version of uh, Inside Curling. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us. And uh, a couple things. Uh, stay tuned uh, to Sportsnet. Uh, Kev, uh, you did a piece with uh, Nicodine. If it's anything like the piece you did with Rachel, I know you spend longer than the interview is, uh, three or four hours doing this. And uh, stay tuned, folks. Uh, watch for that with Nicodine and uh, how, how to go, Kev? Yeah, it was about a four-hour um, actually taping session in a pool hall. Nicodine, we've talked about Nick being a fantastic pool player. So we actually played against each other. I, I, I play a lot of pool as well, and so we had a great game. And then we did some really cool stuff. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let any cats yeah. out of any bags. But this show. This is this is amazing. Nicodine is a really interesting person. Totally interesting we we, guy. Yeah. we get into um, very personal stuff with him, like we did with Rachel. And uh, it's not the same, obviously, but uh, get behind the scenes with Nick, and uh, he's a, he's a pretty special dude. And uh, you want to tune into this? Keep your eyes and ears peeled for that uh, on Sportsnet or their Sportsnet uh, YouTube channel. Kev, you get to have a little sleep. Weekend coverage on Sportsnet for all your curling. Two p.m. tomorrow is the tiebreakers. 6 p.m. is uh, this all times Eastern is the quarterfinals. 10 p.m. is the semifinals. And then Sunday at, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon of the men's finals. And the women's goes at 5 p.m. All times Eastern. So there you go, boys. Uh, another good show. I See, Warren, I stayed awake. Amazing. I stayed awake because I only get up normally at about 10 at night. So that's <laughs> not hard. Just yeah. like a pat. <laughs> I'm going to do the shows one day where I'm hanging from my feet upside down. That's all I'll do. It. I'll hook my legs around something. I'm like an owl. I could just, too bad I can't twist my head all the way around. Thanks a lot to all our sponsors, Coyote Tractor, Goldline, Hearing Life, and Nestle Boost. And Sports Interaction. Get in on the action, baby. Uh, if you like to bet like I do once in a while, take it easy. If you aren't already a member of our Facebook group, uh, why don't you join and uh, weigh in? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Also, give us an email. Send us one, drop us one, do whatever you want. Insidecurling at gmail.com. Insidecurling at gmail.com. And maybe we'll read yours. Kev, down to the bar for a small libation before bed. It's only 11 o'clock there. Huh? Oh, no, no, no. I haven't, I haven't talked to Shawna yet. I'm going to phone Shawna and see, see how the day went. 
Smart move, Warren. Call your wife first before you hit the bar. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tell her, I'm just going to bed. Yeah, I'm on my way to bed, buddy. I'm on my way to bed. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. Uh, good luck, everyone, in the, in the playoffs this week of the Grand Slam. Check it all out, all the actions on Sportsnet uh, starting tomorrow and right through until 5 o'clock with the women's final on Sunday. See you later, boys. Take it easy. See you, Kev. See you, Warren. You bet. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.